here's where we're at in Colossians. We're gonna get to this passage today. It's very simple, it's very brief, but profound. If we think about the, the, both the blessings that come from a good father and the wounds that come from failures in fathers, fatherhood, um, this is a brief passage with profound impact on lives and generations of lives. I, uh, I am a father of two kids. My daughter is a freshman in college, just finished up her freshman year. My son is going into his junior year. And uh, even preparing this, I just have to say, like, there is a certain amount of uh, conviction, maybe like... regret. I don't think I'm alone. Um, excuse me. I don't think I'm alone when I say that uh, dads in general feel a sense of shame. So I'm not going to cry through this whole thing. I want this to empower us dads and kids. Uh, I know there's not a ton of kids in the room, but this, this passage speaks to you as well. So I'm gonna start by praying, and then we'll get into this. Lord, uh, this is a source of pain for many. Lord, there are ways that we interact. There are insecurities that we have uh, that have been shaped by a father's love or lack of love. And there is a sense that we as dads know there's an incredible responsibility and power and privilege that we have and many of us, Lord, feel lacking. So I pray that you would uh, both encourage us. God, affirm your love in these father's hearts and give us some direction this morning. And Lord, for the kids, I pray for soft hearts uh, to respond to parenting with obedience and honor. Um, and that's difficult in a culture that is telling them absolute freedom is the good life. To live in obedience uh, for many feels like death. God, do your works, Holy Spirit, move, convict, encourage, empower. We pray in Christ's name, amen. One of my favorite moments of camp, we, there's a Greek amphitheater, and uh, we have a Sunday morning service there, we have an evening service, and there's plenty of time for prayer. Kids, uh, I'm shocked. When there is an opportunity, come forward for prayer. And about every service, there is opportunity. Uh, so many of the kids are coming with wounds, with burdens, with anxiety, with sadness, with shame over sin, and, and so many of them are receiving hugs from, from leaders and with tears, encouraging them and praying for them. And one of those, uh, one of my favorite moments was in that amphitheater with uh, a kid named Casey, and I don't know if he's here or not, but often, uh, is Casey here? Oh, he loves Casey. <laughs> I love Casey too. Uh, and oftentimes when I see the kid coming, I'm praying, Lord, give me something in my heart that you want to say to this kid, not just to pray for them, but give me a word. And Casey was walking up, and I felt this sense that God wanted me to tell him, 
you have a good dad. And in, in my mind, I'm a pastor, I'm thinking like, you have a good dad in heaven. And I said, you have a good dad. In case you broke down, I hope he doesn't mind me telling you this, but he breaks down in tears and hugs me. He says, you have no idea. I've really been struggling with my father. Our relationship has not been good lately. And we just prayed, we prayed for that relationship. And Casey came back and reconciled with his father. And he said, it was, there wasn't a lot of words. There was just a big, long, emotional hug. And, and Casey's, in one moment, of both confession and repentance and just an extension of forgiveness to his father and his father embracing him with love, all of this angst and strife that had driven them away from each other in one moment was brought back together. Yeah. So that was last year. This year, we, we stood in the amphitheater and I just put my hand on him. He had his arm around me and we just worshiped. But we worshiped remembering that God is a God of, of reconciliation. This relationship between fathers and children is really important. I was reading, and I've read this before, but I don't know if you've ever paid attention. In the beginning of Luke, there's this strange prophecy that is being fulfilled. When, when, the, when I believe it's Malachi, is talking about the day of the Lord, when, when the sun rises, the sun of righteousness rises and, and begins to heal the world, he talks about uh, Elijah is gonna come back and prepare the way. And this is how he's gonna prepare the way. He's gonna turn the hearts of fathers back to their children. And the Gospel of Luke opens up and says, talking about John the Baptist, John the Baptist came preparing the way for the Lord that that they might be a people ready to receive Jesus. And how does he do it? John the Baptist is turning fathers' hearts back to their children. I thought that was really strange. I'd read it before. But it speaks to the importance of this relationship that we have between fathers and children and that God really cares. Relationships are difficult. Would you agree? I'm watching these youth try and navigate small groups and dynamics and friend groups and relationships with you as parents, relationships with friends. And I just see the Bible is right about sin. Sin separates. Sin moves us apart from one another. And I feel like as I'm watching, whether that be marriages in our adult ministries or I'm watching relationships with parents or friend groups, I'm watching this like, man, I found, I found this sweet relationship. We're getting married. Or I have this child you know, Corey Casperson has this uh, new baby and he's just talking about how much he enjoys. She's starting to smile now, you know? And there's this like deep intimacy. And through the years, they become toddlers and they say no, <laughs> you know? And you start to see sin and sin gets in and it begins to divide. Friend groups, I found my best friend and yet, you just know as you watch this thing, it kind of moves like this. You, you sin against one another, it hurts, it divides, and then you become okay with this relationship. 
and then more sin through the years and you kind of become okay with this relationship and then further as the relationship goes until finally you go like, I don't know, we're just not that close anymore and you find another friend and the shot clock begins. This friend group is so great. Nothing, I mean, this is exactly what I've wanted for. Less than a year later, it's almost dissolved. And I see it over and over and over again. And in marriage and marriage counseling, hearing like, we're just not that close anymore. We just weren't, we aren't what we were. I wanna encourage us with this. We all have sin and we all experience this. We do it naturally. Romans 3.23 says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us are in the same boat. We've been irritated instead of patient. We've been vengeful instead of forgiving. We've been exclusive and not hospitable. We've been cold and not compassionate. All of us are perpetrators of sin and all of us have been victims of other people's sin. Sin hurts. Sin divides. Here's the good news. God is a reconciler. Sin divides, God reconciles. And our, our theme for youth camp was firm foundation. And Jesus has this passage where he says, if you hear what these teachings that I'm telling you and you put them into practice, I'll tell you what he's like. That person that hears my teachings and actually puts them into practice is like someone that builds their house on a firm foundation. That the winds come and the storms come and that house is untouched because you've built on a firm foundation. Now the person that hears these words and doesn't put them into practice, I'll tell you what that person is like. They're like someone who's built their house on sand. So when we look at when we look at God's plan for reconciliation, that he is bringing things together, there is a listening to his word and obeying that he gives us the path. Fathers, he gives us the path to bring this back together. Children, he gives us the path to a good relationship with our parents. Now, I do wanna say this. This is not just about fathers, although you're gonna hear me say fathers a lot because that's what the text is saying. But I realize that the parenting is a team project. And so moms, I want, to hear, I want you to hear this as well and kids responding to your moms as well. Reconciliation happens first with Jesus. I want you to look at uh, Colossians 1.20. It says this, and through Christ, his plan is to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood on the cross. Jesus is a reconciler, and it happens first vertically. Look at uh, the next verse, Colossians 1, 21, 22. He says this, once you were alienated or separated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviors, but now he has reconciled you. Sin has separated, Christ has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. As God is a God of reconciliation, he starts, and this is primary, he starts with our relationship with him. The good news of the gospel that Christ came, lived, died, and rose again 
to reign over all creation. He is in charge now. And the gospel, the announcement to the world is Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord over everything and he has a plan to reconcile everything that sin has separated. And as we respond to that gospel in faith, we ourselves are brought back into communion with God, into relationship. The Bible describes this as adoption. We're brought into his family that he might father us in a close way, guiding us, instructing us, comforting us, protecting us, fathering us. This happens vertically, but reconciliation doesn't stop there. Reconciliation then goes horizontal. I want to just read this to you. I don't think we have the verses ready to put up top. But as I, as I read the verses that kind of lead up to our passage about parenting, I want you to hear, as, we're, as I think Corey taught this, like putting off these old behaviors and putting on new behaviors, I want you to listen to how much of it is relationship. How much of these words involve a horizontal dimension? It says this, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, like hard feelings towards one another, slandering one another. He says, you must take this off, all of us, kids, anger towards your parents, rage, your ill feelings, how you've slandered your parents to your friends. We're gonna take this off. And then he says this, you're gonna be renewed in knowledge as you get to know your creator, as you get to see him and know who he is and fall in love with him, admire him, honor him, thank him, as you worship God, you will begin to put on his image. You're being transformed as you get to know him. And listen to what it says, compassion towards one another, kindness towards one another, humility, gentleness towards one another, patience towards one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, as Christ has forgiven you, now you forgive others. And then he says this, but above all of these virtues, I want you to put on, this is the, the number one coat, this is the number one attribute of God that I want you to put on. And he says, put on love. Here's what he says, which binds all of this together in unity. If you hear this teaching and you put this into practice, I don't care what damage has been done. I don't care the division between you and fathers, you and mothers, your bad relationships with friends, with friend groups. God has given us a path back together. There is hope in relationships and it starts with this. He's reconciled us. He's forgiven us. And now as we are his children, we take off our old, our old habits, our old way of participating in relationships, 
And daily, daily we come and we put on the new clothes. This is our uniform, church. It's the uniform of Jesus. Compassion, forgiveness, kindness, and gentleness. And as we put these things into practice, the God of reconciliation is reconciling relationships. Our relationship with him and our relationship with one another. Well, as this is a big part of Colossians and what Paul is describing or instructing the church to do, he starts with those closest relationships. He starts with wives and husbands, and then he moves from to parents and children. So I want to take just the beginning here. I want to talk to the kids, and I know there's not many. I can see a few camp faces in the room. But maybe you're not a kid and you have a relationship with older parents. You're an adult. And I think we can still learn from this to say there might be some confession and repentance that needs to happen from the way that your relationship was affected when you were a child and the way that you didn't honor and and obey your parents. And it would be greatly healing to hear this and to go back to parents and say, look, I was wrong. And I know in this relationship I participated in a way that led to the division. I contributed sin to the, and and I want to just say I'm sorry. Incredibly Incredibly healing. Children, obey your parents in everything. Parents, can I get an amen? Amen. You can go like, boom, sharp elbow right now. Did you hear that? Children, obey your parents in what? Everything. Now, if we were at camp, the, the kids would go, yes. This became the thing in camp. Yes, yes. Now you go like, we're gonna live for Jesus. Yes, we're gonna build on a firm foundation. Yes, we're gonna obey our parents in everything. No, no. Isn't that the truth though? The rich young ruler, I wanna follow Jesus. Tell me the way to eternal life. Jesus says, you know what the law says? And he goes, yes, I've done it. Okay, one more thing. I want you to sell your wealth, give it to the poor, and then come. Have eternal life. Come with me. And he goes, no. We sing about firm foundation, kids. We sing about he will never fail us. He won't. That has gone through my head a thousand times since we've been back from camp. He won't fail us. He won't. He is building a firm foundation of your life. Step one. Here's my foundation, Jesus. And I take whatever I have, okay, my relationship with my parents, and I lay it on that foundation, and I say, Jesus, what do you want this to look like? And he says, I want you to obey your parents in everything. I don't know how I'm gonna do that. But as I build a firm foundation, I know he won't fail me. I trust him. I will obey. The second part of this is important. Children obey your parents in everything. And I would just put a caveat as long as it's not sin. Now, I hate to even mention this, but we do have parents that lead their kids into sin. 
And I would say in the same way that in exile, God's chosen people like Daniel, the king made a decree and they were supposed to submit to authority and they submitted to authority in every way. They honored their government. But when it came to denying their faith or disobeying their Lord, they would not. And I would say this, kids, that's your one out. Your one out is if it's causing you to sin. Obey your parents in everything. The second part is, for this pleases the Lord. Now, I, uh, I'm involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I go on campuses around, around the East Valley, and we do these little clubs, and typically there's about 20 kids together, and you, you kind of talk to the athletes about their faith and how faith impacts their leadership on campus, their performance on the field. It's great. And I went, uh, and I go to some of these, even when I'm not speaking, I'll just go, and I'll listen to the other pastors around the valley speak and build relationships with these kids. And this kid said one time, I just, I just have to remember that nothing I do can please the Lord. Nothing I do can please the Lord because he sees me as Jesus. And I kind of looked at the pastor and he was like, that's right, that's right. And there are, there, I think there's a misunderstanding here, okay? I think if I were to correct this young man, I would say, there is nothing that you can do to earn your adoption as his kid. There is nothing that you can do to separate you from his love. He will always love his kids, okay? It's not based on your performance whether he will love you or not. It's not based on your performance whether he will call you his child and welcome you into his family and give you an inheritance. No. Children, obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. We can please the Lord. We can grieve the Lord. I have kids. I love them very much. There's nothing that they've ever done and there's nothing I can imagine them doing that would make me not enjoy being their father or love them or be committed to them. But there are things that they do that grieve me. And there are things that they do that please me. And I say, that is so good. I had this experience at camp, actually. We had this amazing, kids are raising their hands. Firm foundation, we're following Jesus. So, I mean, we had an incredible night of worship. And last year, after that like euphoric moment, they all had to go back to their dorms. And I said, you know what, like, this year, we're not going back to the dorms. I'm gonna open up the gym and we're gonna have a dance party and now we can hang out there and we don't have to go to the dorms yet, we're gonna do that because you know what? Last year, they were sneaking out. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? We, they don't need to sneak out. We're gonna give them a safe place to hang out. Worshiping the Lord will follow you anywhere. And then I go, guys, good news. You can go back to your dorm and sleep if you want. But also, I got you the gym. There's a dance party going on. You guys can hang out till 11.30 tonight. It's great. You don't need to sneak out. Guess what these little stinkers did? 
I hear voices in every nook and cranny of this campus, and all night we're trying to like wrangle these kids. And kids, I would be lying if I said that pleased me. <laughs> your obedience to your parents gree- uh, pleases them. Your disobedience grieves them. In the same way, your heavenly Father, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Find out what the will of the Lord is. Find out what pleases him. That is real. We know how to please each other. This is, children, if you wanna put a smile on your creator's face, obey your parents. Now, the, the beginning of the Bible starts with this. God makes an incredible creation. He makes beauty and harmony and it is all working perfectly and then the pinnacle of it, he makes man and woman and he says, this is very good. When God designs something and sin has not perverted it, vandalized it, twisted it, it is pure. This is how God made it. It pleases the Lord. He says, this is good. It pleases God. That is the life that we are after. The life that is all put together by God exactly how he designed parents and children to be. A deep intimacy that forms us at the deepest levels for generations of our family. When we participate, children, we obey and God says, this is very good. This pleases me. And when we don't, it grieves. Now, I know, kids, this is typically how it goes. With my kids and your kids, now my kids don't call me burger, but the others do. They go, burger, you don't understand. You can't just obey your parents in everything. Like you won't have a life. That's not how it works. Now, I know sometimes I use language and they're like, Burger, no, that's not how you're supposed to use that word. And I go, okay, that's legit. But when you say, no, that's not how it works. You can't just obey your parents in everything. I would say, you're right. As we look at the kingdom of darkness, if we look at just what's normal in the world, okay, there is a pattern after the prince of power of the air. The spirit that's alive, that is separating and dividing, that spirit, when it's described in Romans 1 of how that spirit, the devil, has brought an unraveling to God's good creation, here's how it describes it. Romans 1. Humans did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would, do, they, would, uh, they would do what ought not be done. They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. Again, all of these relational elements. They're gossips. They slander. They hate God. They're insolent, they're arrogant, they're boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. This is like 
This is what has happened to God's humanity that he said, this is very good and this is what sin has done. You know what the next line is? They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice it. I know your friends will approve of you disobeying your parents. Do you know why I know that? Because we live in a broken world that is unraveled and sin is normal to the point where I say, this is God's good design and you go, no. In the garden, Here's God's good design. And Satan's deception makes humans go, no. Total freedom. No limits. No restrictions. I get to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, and mom and dad are getting in the way of me living the good life. Not the good life as God has defined it. The good life as the devil has defined it. Berger, this is the way things are. And I would say this, and kids are hurting at the deepest level. I don't know if you know this, but we've had three suicides, Chandler, Hamilton, and Perry, all within the last two weeks. Within about 14 to 20 days, and this is becoming so normal, Kids, we have to look at this and say, what is normal, what everybody is doing is not healthy. We're building our life on a firm foundation. Second Timothy 3, one through four says this, Paul is talking to Timothy, says there's gonna be terrible times in these last days. These are gonna be horrible days. People will be lovers of themselves. Check. Lovers of money. Can I get a yes? Yeah. <laughs> Boastful, yes. Proud, yes. Abusive, yes. Disobedient to their parents, yes. Ungrateful, yes. Unholy, Yes, without love, yes. Unforgiving, yes. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal. Not lovers of good, the way God has defined it. I mean, it goes on and on, but in the midst of this, Paul says there is a horrible day coming. And all of this is unraveled, and one of the evidences is children don't obey their parents. Okay. Kids, I have like three shifts, and I know there's not a lot of you here, but maybe parents, maybe these are the things that you can reinforce with your kids. Three shifts for kids. Here's, here's one. Friends. If I have friends that don't honor my parents, when everyone's doing something and you say, no, I actually can't go, my parents said no. If your parents are, or your friends are trying to draw you into disobeying your parents, there needs to be a shift. You cannot hang around friends that are constantly leading you into a path 
of separation and division and destruction. We need good friends. And that also means you ought to be. Those of you that are building on a firm foundation, you've, you've raised your hands to Christ, you've said, yes, I wanna follow you. Now you are the friend that honors your parents and helps your friends. There is a culture that I pray we have in our youth group that we help one another honor our parents. We're going doing this thing. I just see Trey right here, so I'm just gonna use Trey. We're all doing this thing. Trey says, hey, I can't. Hey, my parents said I can't do it. Instead of being like, sorry, dude, that stinks, and doing it. Maybe we're a friend group that goes, dude, that is awesome that you're honoring your parents right now. Let's do something else that Trey can do. Friends, there has to be a shift. If we're gonna obey Christ, we need friends that support this relationship. Number two, another shift that we can make is this. Not being judgmental of parents, but offering forgiveness. Parents are gonna make mistakes. So often, kids are sitting in a place of judgment of their parents, like they know more than their parents, and they're judging to the point where there's bitterness, there's resentment, there's disrespect, there's dishonor, and you've created this environment where you don't love your parents, you don't respond to them, you don't respect them. In the same way that Christ has forgiven us, we need to forgive one another. Kids, you need to forgive. Stop judging your parents. And the third one is this, is we need to shift from foolishness to wisdom. All throughout the Proverbs, kids, the fool is the one that despises wisdom. The fool is the one that does not that does not welcome correction. The wise person in the Proverbs gets corrected by a parent and says, hallelujah, thank you, I don't like it, but I'm gonna take that wisdom and I'm gonna correct. A fool despises counsel, ignores instruction. Kids, we're gonna take shifts from some friends and how we interact and how they support us in this Stop judging, start forgiving, and the third one is we're gonna like listen to instruction and realize our parents are here to guide us. Okay, now this might so far just seem like a youth ministry and you're like, we're not youth, Brian. But amen to everything you just said. <laughs> Fathers. Fathers, don't provoke, don't embitter your children. They'll become discouraged in the way that we relate, in the way that we guide, instruct, restrict, protect, in the way that we discipline our kids, in the way that we redirect them, in the way that we lead them, we are not antagonizing them towards anger and bitterness. I think of uh, Psalm 32, and the psalmist says, speaking for the Lord, don't be like a, a mule that needs a, a bit and bridle in its mouth that needs to be led, but trust me, I'm gonna guide you with my loving eye upon you. Fathers, there are times when our kids need bit and bridle because they won't obey and they need to be corrected and redirected. That's a part of it. But there is always a sense that it's with our loving eye. It's with compassion. It's with gentleness. It's bearing the image of Christ that we parent our kids. 
50% of dads do not feel equipped. This is a Barna study. Many, many dads report feeling shame in this area. Not, not so much guilt, like I've done something wrong, but shame, like I don't know what I'm doing and I'm bound to mess up my kids. My kids are gonna be in counseling because I don't know what I'm doing, okay? And this is a, stat, a sad statistic. And if you're saying, dads, I don't know, I cannot do this, I would say this. Step one, check, good, yes, you cannot do this. Jesus is saying to us, fathers, you can do nothing apart from me. If you're trying to do this without Christ, fathers, you should have every expectation that you're doing damage. Here's the good news. If we attach ourselves to the vine, if we are abiding in Christ, if we go to God, he will guide you. He will lead you in fatherhood. We have to start at the feet of Jesus. A disciple is at the feet of Jesus, learning from Jesus. We have to be renewed by knowing him, by knowing how he parents us, his kindness, his gentleness towards us, his patience, his forbearance. As we struggle, his forgiveness. As we're fathered by God, it becomes the thing that we get to imitate. And I would just say this, fathers, there has to be, with a crisis of fatherhood in our culture, a, a crystallization of discontent, okay? Where we go like the Al Bundy, Homer Simpson, now I'm like dating myself. Like the kids are like, who in the world is Al Bundy? Everyone loves Raymond where the father is just a buffoon. My friend that came from Africa said like, it was such a shock to see how Americans treat fathers. In Africa, it is like respect, revere, honor, never say a bad word about your father, like he has dignity. And those fathers use it a lot of times in a really abusive way. But he came to America and he's like, guys have given up. Kids are making fun of their fathers. Every show, it makes the father out to be a clown. It is totally normal for women and wives to roll their eyes and disrespect husbands and fathers. And I would say this, okay, we are not a part of that culture. We've been delivered from that domain of darkness. We've been We've been transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son. We honor fathers and fathers. We need to re-engage. This is the moment. The crystallization of discontent. Rosa Parks sat in the back of the bus and was discontent with it until one day she wasn't okay. And she said, you know what? Not going to the back of the bus today. We've existed in this for a long time. Fathers, there is a crisis of fatherhood. We've known it. When is the crystallization of discontent where we go, we have to, to re-engage as fathers? I wanna empower you with that. How do we do it? We do it at the feet of Jesus. Blessing and empowering. Fathers, listen to me. You bless your kids and you empower them 
to do what God has called them to do. In the very beginning, Genesis 1, this is good. God provides, he blesses them with all the food, and then he says, you can do this. Go subdue and create and cultivate the earth and make civilization, this is the creation mandate. I love you, I'm with you, I'll instruct you. Now, go do it. Fathers, that is what we're to do. We love you. We see you, we understand you. I know who God made you. I've been listening your whole life. I know what you're going through. I wanna counsel you with my loving eyes upon you. I wanna guide you and now I'm gonna empower you. You can do this. There are so many kids that are afraid and insecure and, and worried about the future. They need fathers that both are a comfort to them, that are guiding them with wisdom and also empowering them like you can do this. And I'd say this, fathers, God is saying that to you right now. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to experience weakness, to experience temptation, to be betrayed, to be disrespected. God knows all of that because he incarnated into the person of Jesus and he lived it. He understands you and he loves you. And he's telling you, fathers, you can do this. Not you in your own strength, but me now inside of you, my spirit. Stick with me and I will empower you. I will bring reconciliation. I can bring intimacy. It's why I shed my blood on the cross to take everything that's been pulled apart and reconcile it back together. This is Colossians. You can do this. Three ways. Three ways that you can wound your kids that I think we need to avoid. And very quickly, here we go. Living through your kids, okay? Guilty. Uh, my son plays guitar. My son is an actor uh, and more of an artist. I am a jock. I hit baseballs. I swing bats, okay? And the first 12 years, I'm out in the backyard throwing balls, teaching him the swing, and he's like, ugh. And I put him out on the baseball field, and the snack shop is playing music, and my brother goes, look at Ty. And Ty was out there like this. <laughs> and I'm like, no. That's not what baseball players do. He hits this double in the game and he gets on second base and my brother goes, look at Ty. And he's on second base and him and the umpire are like this. They're like dancing to the music together with one another. <laughs> what was I thinking? To watch my son pick up a guitar and spend hours learning this thing and for him to come out and play it and I'm like, buddy, that's amazing. To watch him spend 10 hours at theater practice getting ready for a show, and he comes in energized. I took him to baseball practice for two hours, and the kid like fell on the ground like, <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm like, what is wrong with this human? <laughs> he's in his lane when I stop trying to live my life through him. He's flourishing in the things that God has created him for. We gotta stop living through him. There's another shift. Another way we can wound is not nourishing. 
if fathers, this might not come natural to you, if you don't have your arm around, if you don't nourish, if you don't care, your kids will find that somewhere else. Your kids will find coping mechanisms that are not healthy. There is something in the human soul that needs that father's arm around them, that love and that care. And if you aren't doing it, somebody will. Or something will. We cannot neglect care and concern and availability. Number three, not protecting. We are not made to give full freedom. We are not made to do whatever we want, whenever we want. We need restrictions. God has given us restrictions. Don't do that, you're gonna destroy your life. Okay, fathers, we cannot disengage in this way. We have a way of wounding kids where we go like, I don't care, they're gonna do it anyways, just go do it. They get into a, a romantic relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend. If you're not there to guide them, you're not protecting them. You have wisdom, you coach them. Engage, protect your kids, give restrictions, give freedom, use wisdom. And very quickly here at the end, three ways to bless and empower. Fathers, be available. And I'm, I'm saying, I'm failing. Your phone, the urgency of everything else that's going on out there, you gotta put it down. Stack the phones at dinner, have a real conversation, be present. And I say this as a hypocrite, okay? I'm saying this to myself right now. We need to be available. I'm realizing my kids went to kindergarten yesterday and they're leaving. It happens fast. Don't waste moments dealing with everybody else's stuff and neglecting your primary. Be available. Number two, be general truth. This is the way God made the world. This is the worldview. This is what sin is. This is, here's wisdom. There's general guidance to life in relationships, in school, in vocation. You be like, someone that is just dishing out general wisdom. As you learn from the Bible, you pass it on to your kids, but number three is different than this. Number three is specific. There's general wisdom, like I could say, be humble, don't boast. That's general wisdom. But if your kid is dealing with insecurity and you know that, I wouldn't major on be humble. I would major on like build confidence in them. God sees you and loves you and he's in you and he's gonna do something great in your life because he's created you for a purpose. He's purchased you from sin to, to make you his masterpiece, his workmanship, and he's got work for you to do. And it's okay if you fail. He's gonna forgive you. That's specific to where I know my kid is weak or where I know my kid is struggling. It's me understanding specifically vocationally where my kid fits into this world and to encourage them in that way. Not a baseball player. To be able to see that and know my kid enough to redirect them in a path. Okay. I'm gonna pray for us. Would you guys bow, bow your heads? And I wanna start with just the kids. Lord, uh, and would you pray with me for the kids? 
everything in these kids' lives, every TikTok, every friend is pushing them towards a freedom that has no restrictions and an all-out pursuit of whatever their desire is. And it is bombarding our children in unprecedented ways because of their phones. The idea of obeying parents is so foreign, it's almost laughable. Father, you have delivered these kids from the domain of darkness and you've transferred them into the kingdom of the beloved son. And now these are your beloved children. And I pray, Lord, for a supernatural awakening that they would see this is good and this pleases the Lord and there would be repentance. Father, give these kids the, the courage and the conviction to obey their parents even when parents aren't being respectable. And Lord, I wanna pray for parents. I wanna pray for fathers. If you're not a father, I want you to pray with me for our fathers repentance and forgiveness. We can change because of the hope of the gospel. Christ is in us. Men, he sees you, he sees your weakness and he would not call you to something that he will not empower you to do. If you're feeling hopeless, like you are destined to do damage, stop believing this lie of Satan. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Lord, would you at, the, at your feet teach these men? Teach me, Lord, how to nurture and care, how to parent like you parent us. Lord, would we just, when stuff comes out of our mouth, would you just convict us if it does not sound like you? And would we be quick to ask for forgiveness? Lord, bring reconciliation. And I pray for the wives or the mothers that they would play a role in men getting back in the game. I pray there'd be patience, there would be support, there would be encouragement. There would be teamwork and unity. Lord, overall, help us to put off anger and wrath and malice and all of these things and put on love. And let that in this church, Lord, bind us together with our children in harmony that we might both experience the goodness of intimate relationships and please you. You might look at our marriages and our families and say, it is good. It's very good. Father, we cannot do any of this without you, so we pray your Holy Spirit would empower us. In Christ's name, amen.